Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, we've come a long way. It's episode 70, and welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Today, I'm joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who rides even his mountain bike in a one-piece leather suit. It's a fire suit, by the way. I know the inside lingo. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll talk about our stickiest quick tips ever, and we might even share with you a joke. What's going on over there, Ian? Hey, man. How are you? Doing well. Yesterday, or two days ago, we had the first TMBA pool party. It was a huge success. I'll post some pictures at the blog. We're going to start doing that regularly. And also we have like a little pool party here at the TMBA house for couch surfers every other week. So that's kind of cool. Uh, second piece of news is we'll be opening up the Dynamite Circle next week, which is our private forum to about 50 new members. So we'll mention that next week on the show. What have you been up to on your end? Riding dirty. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, you guys were uh, having a good time at the Tropical NBA party, and uh, I was feeling a little left out because I couldn't make it over there. So uh, I hopped on my bike, went down to the Auto Club Speedway, which is the same track that they run NASCAR on, and uh, did did some hot laps on the motorcycle. Got up to about 160, 165, and uh, it was 110 degrees outside. Can you imagine? On a motorcycle, one-piece leather suits, the pavement was about 125, so... Pretty cool. I got to say, I will post the pictures of you doing that on the blog. It. I wish that I had pictures of myself looking that cool. I don't. You couldn't possibly look more badass unless you were jumping into an F-16 or something. So that's very cool. We'll put that stuff up on the blog. Ian, this week we have been featured on iTunes' What's Hot. Like our little podcast logo is next to people like Dave Ramsey and NPR shows and Marketing Over Coffee and all these big podcasts that... You know, I've been listening to for years. And it's so cool to see our picture, uh, you know, next to all these sort of like world-class brands in, in the iTunes store. And thanks to all you guys uh, and gals who listen to the show and take the time to go to that clunky iTunes interface and leave us a five-star review, just like JD's Doghouse did last week. Uh, JD said he's been listening to all the podcasts and he said, rock on. Um, these guys really inspire me and uh, encourages us to keep up the great work. Absolutely does encourage us. So thanks for all the iTunes reviews helping us get featured on the iTunes page. Have you seen that, Ian? I have seen that. And that is thanks to, I think, well, nobody knows the uh, algorithm, right? But uh, I think it's in part due to all these five-star reviews. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. So thank you so much. Uh, hopefully a lot more people will join us here on the program. Today, we've got a question from listener Landon. Landon asks, He's basically just getting started. One foot in, one foot out. He wants to make sure that he never has to go back to a real job. What are some beginner tips if you're getting started in internet business? What would you say, Ian, top three tips? It's a general question, but we can take that on. Okay, Landon. So you've opened the door. You've seen what's on the other side. You're starting to get addicted, but you still can't quite close the door behind you. 
first thing you got to do is work your ass off. You have to really work hard <laughs> to get into that other door. It's amazing. Like when you first get into this internet business stuff, I think there is no random thing that entrepreneurs are super interested in things like health and productivity and all this kind of stuff because you basically are looking for strategies to put as much input into your business as humanly possible. And that's number one, working your ass off. Number two, don't spend your money. Your money is your runway and freedom. Don't buy crap. I was just writing uh, emails. We had got a new tropical MBA coming to join us, number eight, Ian. His name's John, really sharp guy. And, uh, you know, he's got a couple months of runway back in Oz before he ha- comes over to join us here in Asia. And I just said, hey, dude, don't spend a nickel. Don't spend a dime. Stash your cash. You'll never have to get a job again. Yeah, I mean, that's a lesson that I've learned from you, man. So tell us your insights. Share with us your financial insights, oh, guru Ian. Oh, I don't know about that. But I was talking to a girl today, actually, and she's an aspiring entrepreneur. And she said, you know, the only things I can't live without are my computer and my jewelry. I said, okay, well, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a girl, but I can understand the jewelry part. So I think it's okay if you spend a little bit of money on what you like and, you know, things that keep you going. But at the end of the day, if you take inventory of your life and you kind of look around and at all this stuff, I think you can probably list on five fingers what the five most important things are to you and the rest of it doesn't matter. So if you're spending money on the rest of it, you're wasting money. And the same thing goes with your business. Absolutely. I mean, if runway and freedom is if you're at that critical turning point in your life where you're not sure whether you're going to shut that door, like you said, behind you, Ian, and never have to have a job again. I mean, that was a great email that we were talking with John earlier. And we said, hey, John, if you play this right, you will never have to have a job again. And that's for real. And, you know, that means trading in that coffee for uh, water and, and not spending any money and just keeping it real tight until you're sure you can get that cash flow developed. And finally, Landon, if you're having trouble closing that door, we suggest that you get on the phone. If your business is not getting traction, don't email mentors. Don't uh, try to get more subscribers to your blog. Don't buy more traffic off of PPC. Find people, clients, anybody that can keep you in business and get them on the phone. Those are our three quick tips. Joel Runyon wrote me an email this morning saying that the Tao of the Hustle or the Dow of the Hustle was his favorite LBP ever. And he listened to it a few times this week driving during his commute. Uh, I'm going to post a little graph that I got from Chris Gillibo over at the blog about hustlers and whiners. So check that out if you're into the Dow of the Hustle and download that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. I just want to say something really quick. Uh, we're getting into one of our new niche sites and uh, we, we've already invested a lot of money into it and now the product is for sale. And so something I'm going and doing this week is cold calls. So I am the co-founder of this company with you. We've got a bunch of guys working for us at this point and I've decided to spend probably 20 hours of this week doing cold calls. So yeah, I just bring buddy. this up because <laughs> we talk about cold calls all the time and uh, we absolutely practice what we preach. And the reason I'm doing cold calls is so I can understand firsthand what's going on in this market, what's going on with our new customer base and how we're gonna crush it. So everybody needs to make a cold call. Yeah, buddy. Well, speaking of tough truths to accept, Ian, today's meat and potatoes, nine tough truths, a business mindset episode. So today we'll share with you nine tough truths related to business mindset that we think you need to internalize or we think if you do internalize, 
they would increase your chances of growing a successful business. This is based on our experience and based on what we've seen around us. You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast, Ian, and getting involved in a community of entrepreneurs is that you get a lot more sort of success information and success feedback loops, right? So we're not so singular anymore. We're around a lot of other people who have achieved the kinds of things we're looking to do. And so a lot of these nine points are, are, you know, not only things that have have been true for us, but things that we share with these groups of people. So I feel much more confident in sort of delivering this stuff, even though we've only been running our own business for four years now. So let's get started right away. Nine tough truths. Number one, you'll be poor for a thousand days. So I was having a pool party the other day and I talked to uh, my good friend, David McKeegan from Greenback Tax Services, actually who I met through this podcast. And I'm always so impressed by his business. I just absolutely love Greenback Tax Services. In fact, I'm going to become a client here at the end of the month. But I see how he treats his customers and I see how he's growing his business and it's wonderful. What I'm so impressed about David is that he had like the ultimate career. Him and his wife, like they were like big time bank employees, big money, living in London, you know, like coming from a well-heeled education, like all this kind of wonderful stuff. And they took the leap into entrepreneurship. And I said, you know, I think the biggest thing, David, is that people don't realize that you got to be poor and maybe the other people in your life are going to look at you like, you know, why can't Dan go out to dinner with me every night? Or why is he wearing those old clothes or all this kind of stuff? And I think what David just said to me, he says, yep, you, you, you know, Think about it in terms of a thousand days. It's going to take you a thousand days to get your business to the point where it's making you the kind of income uh, that you might be making at a big bank in London or that we were making at our corporate gigs, Ian. And that, that was true for our business too. It did take us a thousand days of living, you know, under uh, our corporate means, you know, doing worse than we were doing in the corporate setting. Yeah. So, a thousand days is roughly three years. I think what's interesting though about about living that way and, and, and being poor is you look at all the money that you spent when you're in the corporate world, at least I know. Um, I was like going out shopping for clothes and all this stuff that like I didn't really need. And so if you kind of get rid of that stuff, then you know, you're almost like spending or I was almost spending on like vacations and clothes and stuff like that just to make the corporate thing tolerable. Right. Yeah. So if you stop spending on that stuff your life is pretty much the same. I mean, you can eat every day and, you know, pretty much do the things you want to do. This is a, such an important lesson that I think it's so difficult. For example, Felix Dennis mentions in his book, How to Get Rich, that we talked about on last week's episode. He talks about if you're a corporate middle manager and you want to get rich, you're pretty much screwed because you have so much to lose. Like you have, you feel, you know, I don't think in reality you do, but you know, if you're in that position where you've built a successful life and you've got a family and you got all this money coming in, man, if you want to get rich, pretty much forget it, man, because you're not going to be able to have that mindset where you've got nothing to lose, which he says he thinks is required to take on the risks or the perceived risks that it takes to get rich. And I think that's in particular, I mean, I was just like a snot-nosed kid when we started this business. I still am in many ways. But David, you know, he's this respectable guy with a great job and stuff, and he still took that risk. And that's what I think is so impressive about his journey. And I think that can serve as some inspiration for people that, you know, they're in great situations and they might feel a little guilty about reducing their level of income and putting their family through some kind of risk for that first thousand days. So let's move on to number two. People will try to tear you down. 
so I have an entrepreneur friend named Sean and he has this great attitude that he kind of gave me. He's like, uh, you know, my kind of mindset is like when people like they try to tear me down or they try to sabotage my business or something, my mindset is get in line. You're not the first, you're not the last. And I expect this kind of thing to happen. Get in line. And I, I even like that. It's almost like that kind of challenge. Like, yes, absolutely. I expect this kind of stuff to happen. And Ian, it's unfortunate that we've been exposed to a lot of this. And, and in some ways, I think we're relatively benign characters. We're pretty nice guys. We treat people well and with respect in general. And we're not in crazy industries either. It's not like we're prospecting for oil on the native's land or something like that. You know, we're just doing sort of basic benign products. And still us, we've had people be extraordinarily hostile to what we're up to. And I just think you have to be simultaneously expecting that and also take it as a sign of some kind of success. If you haven't been subject to that, you know, maybe you're not pushing it hard enough. Maybe you're not exerting yourself in the world profoundly as you should be. You know, we've been threatened to be sued once uh, that I can think about. Uh, nothing really came of it. And then we've had like some really hardcore hecklers. I mean, some serious stuff, emails back and forth, telephone calls, yelling, threats, things like that. But we do have friends that have, have actually gone to court and had serious situations on their hands. So, you know, I think this stuff comes with the territory. And it's interesting. The reason I bring up our experiences with the heckler is because nothing really comes out of that, right? So unless you actually go to court and somebody's like taking something from you or you're taking something from them, a lot of times when people try to tear you down, it's just emotionally. And so uh, if you can just kind of consider that, and this is really hard in the moment, but probably nothing is going to come of any of that heckling. Yeah. I mean, I had somebody that was recording some phone calls with me and they were sort of, I found out via some back channel that they were thinking about ways to like undermine what I was up to. And it was all this silly kind of loser talk, but it really emotionally impacted me. And I went to one of my entrepreneur friends and and I was all torn up about it and I was spending a lot of time thinking about it and like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. How could I have trusted this person and blah, 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 blah. And uh, it was my friend, Sean, and he looks at me and he, and I think I explained it for five minutes and he said, well, I think we spent five minutes too many talking about that. <laughs> and that was his attitude about it. It's like, let's on to the next thing, get in line. So number three, you need to be mentally prepared to be obsessed with your business. I think this is something that maybe people don't quite understand if they're not there yet. In order to be successful, you need to be obsessed. What do we mean by obsession, Ian? We mean it's always on your mind. You're always working. You're always thinking about this stuff. Very few business people that I find that are successful aren't constantly thinking as themselves as a business person as and as constantly being engaged in the game of doing business. At least in the beginning, you know, with some kind of startup, I mean, you have to be obsessed with pushing these ideas forward. Absolutely. Number four, losers compare and lament and winners rip and iterate. So what I want you to do, audience member, is imagine yourself. This Everybody compares themselves to other people, right? I think the question is, is how do you compare yourself with other people? And is, is that constructive for you? So I think business losers, what they do is they compare themselves randomly to other people, and then they lament the differences. Like, uh, isn't a bummer that that person's so much farther along, or they make more money than me, or they've, they've stumbled onto a better model than me? That's sort of the business loser mindset. The business winner mindset and the one that we found constructive is called ripping and iterating. It's like, all right, um, you know, X person is a 
blogging genius and they're 10 years ahead of anything we could ever do in any of our blogs. So when we see those winning characteristics, what we do is we decide the elements that we can take and incorporate immediately into what we're doing so that we can participate in that as well. It's kind of like um, personalities, I think, in a lot of ways. So you, you're kind of like the average of maybe your five or six personalities that you really latch on to in your friends or family. And, and you kind of build your own personality from, from people that are around you. And I think the same thing goes with your business. You kind of rip the good parts, you know, and that becomes you. Absolutely. Number five, the first dip is the hardest dip. So let me make a quick suggestion. If you haven't read Seth Godin's dip, I think it's worth a che- it's worth a read for sure. And now it's just become part of like the standard business parlance, but it was a book and it was quite a good one. Um, basically, the idea of the dip is that the trough of sorrow, that whole huge period of time where you know you get that business idea, you get your site up, you get your first email opt-in or whatever, and you're all pumped. And then it basically takes years of push, 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 push until you get back up into that spot where you're like, whoa, this could be something. This could be a success for me. Um, It's absolutely profoundly difficult to get through your first dip. What we're finding is that subsequent dips with new startups are much easier. I think for obvious reasons. We've got a lot of people sort of behind what we're doing. But the number one reason, Ian, and I, and I see people lamenting to me all the time about their dips because we start, you know, we're, we're trying to mentor a lot of people to start new businesses. And I think the number one thing is clarity of vision. And a focused, clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish, I think is the best way to get through that dip because it's hard any way you slice it. So how do you set a good vision, you think, or how do you hold true to your vision? How do you know that it's going to work out through the dip? One of the things you can do is you can just decide on something discreet and shippable and ship it regardless. Because what ends up happening is, let's say, you know, I was talking to David, uh, uh, one of our top employees the other day, and he's developing this WordPress plugin. And I just saw myself in his struggle so much. It's like the classic entrepreneurial struggle where, you know, you're developing this thing and then you see your competitors like do a feature uh, iterate. And it turns out that, you know, like they developed the feature that you thought was going to be the game changer uh, in your product. And so then, you, you know, you, you lose confidence and all this stuff and, and you end up not getting through the dip. Um, this is so, so common. So what I would say is you, you develop something discreet and shippable. And, you know, markets are imperfect, Ian. You can launch a product that has the same feature set as a product that's better and still sell that product. So uh, we've done that. But as an entrepreneur, you get all up in your head about this stuff. And you think just because your competitor put up a blog post that says their feature, their, fe- their your decisive feature has been integrated in their product, that all of a sudden, first off, everybody has read that blog post. Everybody believes it. All their customers are happy about it. And everybody cares. The truth is that they don't. And that if you can launch your product and make some cold calls, get some influencers on the phone, I bet you can get some people to use your product. And by the way, that's a good way to screw with your competition too. (laughs) Speaking of tough truths. Anyway, let's move on to the next point. Six, your friends and family will resent you. Ouch. And will only start to pay attention when you are successful. I hope the podcast listeners don't think we have bad relationships with our families. It's not true. Quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. But there is this thing where, you know, people don't want to hear about it so much. Oh, you know, look at this and look at that. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Um, But we have started to see a little bit of a turn in these things now that our business is starting to become more successful. Explain to me how this has sort of worked out in your life, Ian. Well, we got 
t-shirts now so it's it's pretty much official (laughs) (laughs) it does help well one one profound impact i'm sure that my family has seen is that i'm I'm able to travel a lot more uh and part of that travel is to go see them so i think that they see this as 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 a as a tool for me to be able to spend more time with them and, and therefore it's important to them so that's that's the interesting thing here right is that nobody cares until it kind of becomes important to them yeah um so i'm mentoring one of my uh good childhood friends uh, right now in his business. And, uh, you know, he didn't really care that much about what I was up to a couple of years ago, but now it's relevant to him. So it's, it, it's, it's good in the ways that it's relevant to the people around you. And it's interesting, like maybe in the startup phase, you're not in such a great position. I remember one time my mother said to me, a zinger, like, if you're so location independent, why don't you spend more time at home with us kind of thing? And I was like, ouch, well, yeah, I'm in startup phase now. But, you know, the, the, the whole loop around for me happened, you know, last Christmas time when I went home and spent like three full luxurious weeks after having spent, you know, a whole summer vacation with them. So I think like that was the moment for at least in, in those relationships where I was like, oh, this is really working out, you know, whereas in my old corporate job, I would have never been able to spend that much time with my family. So definitely, I think that that's a great point. And, and I've seen that happen in friendships as well, whereas people are starting to pay attention because the values that we're creating can have a big impact on their lives now too. So that's been really rewarding. So number seven, big wins are usually more like snowball wins uh, in that they take and they build off of smaller victories. A corollary to this point is that shit takes forever. (laughs) I mean, you know, like I remember thinking like, back when we started our business at like, okay, we're going to do this stuff. And then like the Walmart buyer is going to give us a purchase order and like, boom, Ferrari. Like that's how it was going to work. And then you realize that, well, first off, like Walmart needs to like visit your factories for a year before they decide whether they want to talk to you about that PO. And then when they do give you the PO, it's like 180 days net terms and you're funding all the the inventory on the shelves. And it's, it's like, you know, I think all of the big turning points, and this can work in bloggers too, like, well, once I get on Mixergy, like, you know, you know, I'm going to get 20 million new subscribers and like they're all going to buy my product and and what I'm seeing time and time again is all those moments that you think are going to be big turning points just turn out to be Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good point. A couple of our products got picked up by uh, CSN stores and they're a huge online retailer. And then basically all of their competition saw our products on there. So then they started contacting us too. And a lot of these people that have started to contact us are actual big box retailers. Um, and so that's probably, hopefully, eventually going to lead to some kind of PO with these big box retailers. So uh, four years ago, we thought, well, the big box retailer just approaches you as soon as your product comes out. Turns out, yeah, it's a, it's a long road. So we, you know, this business that I'm talking about right now has been chugging along at five, six grand a month. Um, and hopefully this is an opportunity to break through, but we wouldn't have never broke through if we weren't selling through all these small boutiques um, and kind of chugging along for such a long time. Yep. Number eight, there is nothing your business needs. There is nothing that you need to do for your business. Now, this is the thing that everybody, especially entrepreneurs, this is a, you get a lot of crap from the lay people, right? But you also get a lot of crap from other entrepreneurs, maybe more traditional entrepreneurs, people who aren't interested in traveling, maybe people who have different values than you. And we get a lot of these speeches from people like, you need to be doing this. Um, for example, Ian, 
no business consultant would have sat me down and said, hey, you know what you should do? You should not live you know, near your office and go there and build your business every day, but you should just get on a plane and go to the Philippines because that's going to be this huge thing. You know, that was definitely something that I wanted to do as an entrepreneur, as a creative person, as an explorer. You know, I wanted basically my business to be an extension of my desires. And that led to the podcast and the Tropical MBA and all this new stuff that we're doing. So if I would have done what I needed, in quotes, to do for my business, all the cool stuff that we're doing wouldn't have came about for me, you know? And I think that that's important, you know? If you're, if you're, if, if all you're framing up what you need to do for your business, are like you need, you need, you need, and not what you want, I think you're just building yourself a new job. And that's not what, you know, that's not why we're, we're playing the entrepreneurship game. We're here because we want to be creative and build fun organizations that do interesting things. And if you're caught up in need all day long, you're not going to get there. There's a few things here, I think. One is that I, I agree on this point on a, on a lot of levels. First off, you, you do need to pay attention to your cash flow if you okay. want to continue your business because uh, you're not going to have a business if you don't have any cash. Yes. So I do think you need to do that. But then you need to make payroll. Right. You need to make payroll. That's another thing. <laughs> And then um, on, on top of it, you know, you need to be true to yourself and, and what you really want to do. So I, I do believe the deeper we get into this, the less we become martyrs of our yeah. business and the more we become just like in tune with what we want to achieve in the world and with ourselves. So I think you need to be true with yourself. You know, I'm still working through this thought, but you know, sometimes you get this, uh, you know, these people that will give you advice like, well, aren't you worried about screwing up the business because of your travel schedule? Or aren't you worried about, you know, this kind of stuff, Ian? And I think that this is the statement that I'm trying to react against that and saying, yeah, you know, if I martyred myself in office lifestyle in the United States, um, there's no guarantee that that's going to work out or lead to anything fun or interesting for my business. So no, I don't feel like I'm ever hurting the business by taking things in an interesting direction that I can be passionate about. So that's what I'm trying to get onto. But yeah, make payroll. You need to make payroll. And let's round it off to number nine, Ian. Finally, this is one that you wrote, and it is my favorite point, which is nobody cares if you succeed or lose. I mean, at the end of the day, if you try to commiserate with somebody or outsource that final responsibility of making it happen, you will fail because you are it. You are the only person that can make this happen for yourself. And I think that you have to sort of face that down. The people that are closest to you, best friends, mom, dad, you know, at the end of the day, they can't stop everything in their life to make sure that you succeed. And therefore, you're kind of your own man on this or your own woman on this. You're going to have to make it happen for yourself. And with that same respect, you know, uh, nobody really cares if you win or lose because they've got their own thing going on. You know, they, they, I'm sure a lot of people want to see you succeed, but, you know, only to a certain point. We do our best to, you know, help as many other entrepreneurs as we can. But at the end of the day, we can't actually get on the phone for you. We can't actually send that invoice out. We can't actually make it happen. Hopefully we can inspire it. But I like that. At the end of the day, you know, you are 100% responsible for your own success or failure. All right. Let's move on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny jokes section. Really quickly, let's buzz through this because we're going over. You had me laughing last week. We are pumped up about Louis C.K.'s Everything's Amazing and Nobody Cares bit. Well, he has a follow-up. Uh, and it's absolutely epic. So we'll link to that. And thanks for sending me that midweek, Ian. 
really got me chuckling. Ian and I both use ScreenFlow on the Mac. If you want to make quick sales letters, screen video captures, it's the best. I used to use Jing, and that's just a piece of junk. This is absolutely superior software. If you want to take videos, screen captures, you can use that for feedback for your development team or to use quick and easy sales letters on your product pages. And finally, the two most sticky apps of the year so far. Ian, I know you don't take any of the quick tips, but two have stuck for you. What are your favorites? Boomerang and Dropbox. We, uh, I pay for both of those. I think that they're great apps. Absolutely. We both pay. Again, Boomerang is Gmail enhancement. Uh, use it to do inbox zero, send emails back to yourself, remind yourself if people haven't replied to you. Absolutely fantastic. Check out Boomerang and Dropbox. Easy file sharing. What else What else we got? That's it, right? We can get moving. That's it. Now. What are you going to do tonight? Well, I'm going to get ready for some cold calls tomorrow, of course. Yeah, buddy. So uh, I suggest that uh, all the listeners do the same. Thanks for joining me, Ian. I'll see you next Thursday. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.